Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Kevin McCashin. And Kevin and I are going to talk about this week in Albany politics. So, Kevin, what do you think? Well, you know, uh, speaking of politics, I think one thing that shows the, the political attitude of Albany is the fact that they're going to, uh, they're taking proposals on that massive central warehouse um, where they, uh, you know, the big, the big eyesore off 787 there, this massive uh, right. 1920s built brick monstrosity. And what that, that building itself tells you about Albany is that the leadership is so awful for mo- many generations uh, it's been absolutely terrible that that thing has been uh, stayed there, gone into foreclosure, you know, been resold, and nobody's done anything with it, and it hasn't been taken down uh, since it's ended its useful life. And uh, it really just shows you that the priorities in Albany and the, the creativity and the accessibility to, uh, to good ideas and taking initiative is absolutely awful. And uh, I'll give you the comparison here they are. They had no problem putting together this uh, uh, 787 ramp garden and getting $13 million worth of financing and, and instead uh, and focus on that to build a garden in the sky, which will connect you to the riverfront and uh, Clinton Ave, you know, the bottom of Clinton Ave. And, right. uh, and they've done absolutely nothing to leverage any capital to remove that, you know, awful building. And it just shows you that's exactly what Albany is all about. The leadership is incompetent. They're uh, lazy. And it's just another symptom of it. And they, you know, and the priorities are whacked. So that's going out. They're taking proposals between now and, and I believe it's June 10th. The guy who, bought, who got the building for a dollar from, uh, you know, one of the banks, multiple banks that owned the building or taken back the building. Uh, you know, he got it for a dollar, and the uh, tax bills have accumulated five hundred thousand, and he's done nothing with the with the property. You know, so this is a case of where, just based on you know, you think of like super fun sites like National Lead, where they had the depleted uranium in Colony. Uh, you know, if the building's loaded with asbestos, this is this is one of the few areas where even a, a you know a uh, a far-right person like me says, you know, government should be involved to, to get something done here. But they just haven't. I mean, and it's just it's typical laziness from the leadership of the city of Albany. It's why you have places like Sycamore Street uh, between Hackett Boulevard and Whitehall Road where they've had light poles, light freestanding lampposts, and this is supposed to be the nice neighborhoods, right? Freestanding mm-hmm. lampposts that have been down with live wires sticking out of the ground and an orange cone over it for three years. And they just don't replace anything. And that's it. That's in the nice neighborhood. That's in Dan McCoy, the County executive's neighborhood, you know, in, in that area. And Jack Flynn, the uh, councilman who was the head of the democratic party for a while, uh, you know, and that's just typical Albany laziness, you know? So you wonder what hope is there for poor neighborhoods? If the, if the nice neighborhoods can't even get simple things like that done, you know? And so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's election season. It looks like obviously we're going to have the, uh, the uh, primary coming up in, in June for the Democratic mm-hmm. line. 
and, and then we'll find out if the uh, independent candidate, Greg Adela, if he gets on the ballot at the end of the month. And uh, obviously you have the Republican candidate, Alicia Purdy, on there. And I'm not sure if, if Marlon Anderson's doing anything else or, uh, you know, if Lukey Forbes is filing independent petitions either. But neither of those guys got on the Democratic line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So would you say that all of this apathy and laziness goes all the way back to the Corning administration? Oh, sure. Definitely. You know, I, you know, and, and this is a, you know, Corning came out of Yale, I think it was, and was mm-hmm. sort of fr- friends. These guys were friends with FDR, you know, the same aristocratic patrician uh, mentality, I guess, in, in, the, in a sense, this, uh, you know, the, this uh, hold on Albany politics forever has created a culture of uh, apathy. I think, you know, I think, yeah, it does go back to that, uh, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's apathy and they don't care. And that was responsible for the rise of Colony. So many people left or even Colony Center, right? They wanted to have department stores in downtown Albany. And they said, uh, you know, they weren't, weren't going to put up with the Corning administration or whatever shenanigans or games or bribes or whatever they had to do to uh, get it done. And they just all decided to go out to Colony, you know. And uh, even the time, even the Times Union itself, the newspaper moved out of downtown Albany and went out to Colony. You know, so this is uh, it's typical, and uh, they're trying to reverse it. But at the same time, they're trying to reverse it. You know, where they kind of give things away to developers. The Common Council, uh, you know, the the notion that they're going to have rent control or the good cause eviction is going to cause is going to cause uh, developers to get to, to take a second look at developing anything in Albany. You know, there's a reason why Eastern European countries had all the same socialist public housing. And it's because, you know, there was no private industry to build anything beautiful or different or anything like that. So we'll see how it goes, but yeah, you're going to have your, uh, your exit ramp garden is going to be done and $13 million spent when you have, uh, you know, just, you see, you have 800 foreclosed properties, even the land bank's properties are absolutely filthy. So the, the quasi-government agency who's responsible for, uh, you know, helping out, you know, their buddies and uh, just another nonprofit poverty pimps out there who uh, flip houses and uh, reward their inside favorite contractors or, you know, it uh, creates a six-figure salary for the head of the land bank. And they... Uh, their own properties are festooned and garb- with garbage everywhere. Their own properties have graffiti all over them. Whereas if you have a private property and you get graffiti on your building, the code department will show up and write you a ticket that you, you, know, you have to remove that graffiti or the same thing, a ticket for trash. And uh, you can go around anywhere in the city. If you go on uh, second street and West Hill, you know, the, these, uh, these uh, impoverished neighborhoods, you look at the land bank signs, and the land bank properties are absolutely filthy. So it's once again, it's laziness. Nobody's calling them out, and nobody holds anybody accountable. You know, it's just, it's just like DGS. You know, either they're shorthanded or they're mismanaged, and uh, you know they can't get garbage off the streets. It's disgusting. It's, the whole city is disgusting. Now, you were around when Kathy Sheehan became mayor. Um, did you have high hopes that she would 
turn the city around to make it presentable? Well, you know, the biggest thing right now is, is the problem with crime, obviously. And, you know, the, poverty doesn't necessarily correlate with crime. You know, it, just because somebody's poor, it doesn't mean they're a criminal. But, but the mm-hmm. focus has been, you know, if we come in with more government programs, this and that, you know, we're going to have less crime. And uh, I don't know that that's the right focus, but what they are doing is they totally demoralize their police force. So if you uh, have the misfortune of being a victim, uh, you know, whether of a homicide or a rape or anything, and all of those are on the rise in the city, you know, rapes are up 20% year over year. Uh, the just violent crime overall is up 20% year over year. And it was already up, uh, you know, a lot the year before. You know, you're just going to have a police force that really doesn't care. And they're not going to solve any issues and they're not going to do anything proactive and they're just going to sit there. But this is what they want. You know, this is what the activists want. Uh, you know, we've had uh, WAMC public radios done. Uh, public radio actually did a pretty good 20, 30 minute uh, interview. Jackie Orchard did. And they went around with the, uh, the police lieutenant, Devin Anderson. And he talked about proactive versus reactive uh, policing. And uh, they just said, we just do reactive policing and they just wait for phone calls. You know, they're out there, they're out there patrolling. And so, you know, when somebody gets shot, you know, if you're one of the 130 people who get shot in uh, Albany last year, you know, the police will be there in a couple minutes. But at the same time, they're not doing anything to get guns or drugs off the street, you know, which in some sense is, uh, you know, when it comes to marijuana is legal and stuff like that, you know, and if people are in jail for some you know, drug crime, it's, pro- it's not a good thing. It's more of a public health issue. And uh, that's probably good. But at the same time, you know, it hasn't seemed to stop. We'll see, well, we'll see what it does. If marijuana legalization reduces uh, violent crime, uh, you know, as far as the turf battles between drug dealers, um, we'll see if that's the case. You know, it's, it's hard to it, – we, we just have to tell. You know, we, we do know from bail reform – the uh, releasing of bail reform has led to people who've been arrested on weapons offenses for shooting people three and four times before they're denied bail. And, uh, they, you know, so the notion of bail isn't to, you know, it's changed in New York State to it's no longer, it's not to protect the public. It's just to make sure you show back up at court. But people just abscond. You know, if, you, if you're facing attempted murder charges and you're out without bail, you know, you have no incentive to show back up. You might as well just wait until you get arrested again. And that's what's happened. You know, I mean, and it's, it's, it's predictable, but uh, this is where we're at. And uh, the city of Albany Council definitely would support all those reforms, as, as many New Yorkers do. So it's, uh, you know, it's sort of uh, the, the activists say the police reform hasn't been enough. Well, their ultimate goal for a lot of the activists is just the abolition of police, which you know, if people want to go back to a Wild West environment, I'm all for it, but just let us carry all the guns we want, you know, <laughs> or people just won't go to Albany, that's all. You know, if, they, if, it, if it seems to be, you know, it only takes, uh, you know, a few uh, highly publicized 80-year-olds. There was an 80-year-old woman who got shot in the neck uh, during last year. There was a three-year-old who got shot. There was an eight-year-old <laughs> who got shot, you know. And if, if the media doesn't pronounce it and, and publicize it, there won't really be any outrage. So it'll just be personal tragedies and uh, life will go on, you know. But the main thing is this. Where are the jobs? Kathy Sheen came in. She was, uh, she was a corporation counsel for a company called Intermagnetics General who uh, mm-hmm. successfully sold to Philips uh, 
you know, Philips Medical Imaging or one uh, a European con- company or British company, Philips. And uh, they also pieced off a lot of other small businesses. And Kathy was involved in those deals, and she made her millions. Uh, nobody has bothered to investigate how much she actually got paid. I'm sure it's in SEC filing. It could be it could be figured out, but it's probably about ten years old. But she has a one point at least a, a house worth one point three million out on Martha's Vineyard. So uh, you mm-hmm. know she's kind of isolated, but she's all over the place. She's she's a terrible leader. You know, it's in that sense it's disappointing. You know, where are the jobs? Kathy Sheehan says, yeah, well, we have plenty of jobs, DGS jobs, so come pick up trash. And it's like, okay, you know, how are you going to live on that? <laughs> and, uh, but, but really, Cynthia, the problem is, is families are destroyed. I think families are destroyed in America, and uh, it, it just sort of builds up and uh, sort of, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's the same-sex family or, you know, or, uh, or uh, you know, a traditional uh, nuclear family, they're just destroyed. And so we have a whole generation where, you know, 35% of people don't graduate from high school in Albany High School. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? Mm-hmm. What do they do? Yep. The graduation rate is 65%. In the city of Schenectady, it's also just about 65%. city of Schenectady had truancy problems, and I'm sure with the pandemic we had truancy problems too. So what do you do? If you don't have any focus, you're surrounded by filth, you're surrounded by poverty, you know, what hope do you have? And then you don't have role models at home who are, who are either, you know, uh, who, who are exerting some discipline or influence, and then you throw alcohol and drugs into the mix and uh, this sort of um, culture where they don't care, plus kids, you know, plus kids don't have a real good developed moral sense until their late 20s or 30s. So uh, it's, a, it's a bad situation. And uh, yeah, this is true across the board uh, of urban environments. It doesn't have to be that way, though. There's, a, there's an organization in, in Albany, in the Capital District, uh, um, Albany Can Code. Are you aware of that organization? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Albany can code, right, right, right. To, teach, right. To, teach kids how, to teach kids how to code, right. Right, but, you know, with the, with the Internet and technology, yeah. that's, that's an up-and-coming, you know, career. And it pays a good, a good amount of money, and I had once asked one of the um, school board members about this, why don't they why don't they put this in the curriculum to teach kids how to code? And that sure. person looked at me and said, Oh no, we can't do that because by the time the the, the uh year is over, the coding will be obsolete. But these kids will have a basic knowledge of coding. That, you know, that they couldn't even uh put something like that. Yeah, it's just a language skill. It's a, a code is just a language. If you can learn French, you can learn Spanish, you can learn to code. It's, it's just a language. In fact, it, at SUNY Albany, they would teach, you know, you'd have to take a language. And would it have to be a foreign language or would it have to be a computer language? And so, yeah, it's doable. You know, it's, it's doable. Uh, you know, how much do they actually code anymore in the capital district? You know, they have project team leaders. You know, a lot of this is done globally now, too. So, you know, you're... you're even with stuff like that, 
the joke uh, on the internet is for unemployed journalists, they tell them to learn to code, right? They said, you know, famously, these guys said, oh, you know, uh, these uh, coal miners need to learn to code. And so every time journalists are unemployed, they say, yeah, well, learn to code. And the problem is, is you still need physical jobs. You need manufacturing jobs. You need productive jobs. But even you talk to guys in the laborers union, a lot of kids don't want to work. You know, they, uh, and these are good union jobs. New York is at least a place where the unions are still strong. And uh, the laborers union, the electronic, the, uh, the electrical union, the plumbers union, they're all looking for minority hires because of, because of the WMBE requirement. You know, people are looking for minority contractors, but there's a disconnect there. And uh, there are complicated problems. There's cultural problems. There's obviously access to positive influences. And, uh, you know, it's, these are big problems, you know. And, uh, you know, just uh, saying, well, we're going to abolish the police, it's not going to solve the bigger problems. And it, it may exacerbate things, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, people, people as individuals are racist at times. And so there's been a history of that in America. But at the same time, if you're going to let that define your reality, you're, you are, you are going to be a slave. You know, if you don't think you're free, you're not free. And so that's a loser mindset, this, this notion of, uh, you know, the notion that America is systemically racist. It's a loser mindset, and it's not going to help anybody. You know, and it's promoted by people that want grant money. So Kathy Sheehan has $85 million coming in. This was a good story. Kathy Sheehan has $85 million coming in from the uh, COVID bailout, okay? So urban areas, Congress allocated $85 million to Albany. Kathy had 41 people meet secretly without any public notice to discuss how the $85 million would be allocated. And if it wasn't for uh, Judy Duchesne saying something, on, uh, you know, at the council meeting, the media would have never picked it up and we would have never known who was at that meeting. And so, you know, this is typical sort of secretive government. She, she uh, you know, for being a Democrat, she's a very anti-democratic at times. Uh, she's, she's, double, she's double-minded. She, uh, you know, she says one thing and does another and she changes her mind, and she's weak at times. And, you know, but she's going for a third term. You know, she said she would do two terms. It, you know, it's going to be hard for her to get beat by anybody just because of the, the nature of the city and so heavily Democratic. Right. And, and the fact is they just, part, they just vote the party line. The people that show up, you know, you have – say, and I don't know what the census numbers came out to be, but say you have 90,000 people in Albany, you have 50,000 registered voters – only 12,000 of those show up to vote, you know. So it's, 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 it's the land of apathy. It's the land of apathy. And the insiders who are insiders, you know, your Jeff Buell from Redburn Development was in that meeting. The insiders get favored and they get access to, to the money. And uh, then they have a bunch of sort of these um, minority nonprofits that they throw a bone to. But, they're, you know, they're not, they're not able to change anything. You, you need massive Massive focus, you know. What's the next, what's the last major manufacturer that opened up in Albany? Well, nothing really. Except, yeah, nothing except for like the chip fab. But the chip fab, you know, the chip fab and the associated industries out at SUNY Albany, they bring in people from France, from Japan, right. from Germany, and they're they're high end jobs. Now, you know, should we try to focus to get kids educated 
and take advantage of that sort of techno technological thing and get them up to global mm -hmm. boundaries and stuff like that? Yes. But what do we do with everybody else who's left behind? And how can you possibly succeed, you know, outside of a real free market business and a real entrepreneurial mindset, which I assume, you know, a lot of kids have. I mean, if you're going to be a drug dealer, you, you have a pretty good business sense if you're, if you're a good drug dealer. Uh, you know, that, those skills could be transferred. But at the same time, if you have 35% of the kids don't even graduate from high school, what hope do they have in life? You know? Right. And so uh -huh. it's, it's, it's all sort of coming together. And, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, has, everything looks run down in Albany. They have some big nonprofits coming in to, to uh, take advantage of some of the, uh, the big cash that there is in building public housing or subsidized housing. And that's what Albany's going to be, I guess. You know, and, and uh, you know, you haven't seen anything really moving, but you're also in New York, and New York is in the United States of America, and, and, and a lot of uh, the government no longer, they don't defend American interests. I mean, you know, had all these, these were all industrial cities, and they all got deindustrialized, you know. And, of course, the big employer in Albany is government. So do you think that Troy under Madden is doing better than – Albany under Sheehan. Well, it, it depends upon the metric. Troy's traditionally been a lot easier to deal with, um, but these people are lazy too. Patrick Madden comes out of the nonprofit world. Uh, you know, they're all about getting grant money. They're all about getting HUD financing. And uh, there's a bunch, his old uh, nonprofit has a bunch of projects going on. Wherever you see a building burned down in Troy, they'll usually wind up with uh, some sort of a, uh, you know, community reinvestment, uh, uh, you know, Obama-era projects where they basically take and there's tax incentives to invest in low-income housing. And that's the uh, low-income housing focus is, exact, is Troy's big focus. And the best example of that is uh, you see the Starbuck Island, which is the little, little island you come across when you, when you cross uh, the Green Island Bridge from Troy into Green Island, and that was redeveloped at uh, market rate prices by, by uh, Peter Luizzi, and it's, uh, you know, a massive amount of buildings popped right up, and none of it's subsidized housing. So along with that, you drive in the parking lot, it's all BMWs, it's all, uh, you know, high-end cars, and it's all people who at least would spend, shop, and dine in the city of, uh, in the city of Troy you know, would have extra disposable income to help, you know, fuel the small businesses that are over there. But listen, this pandemic, small businesses got crushed. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as re retail goes, you know, what, how could you even possibly survive in retail anymore when you're competing with the Amazons of the world and Target and Walmart? Right. And that's really who the, the pandemic aided and abetted that whole consolidation of wealth. And, uh, you know, you look at these downtowns, there's a lot of empty retail spaces in, in the city of Troy. Um, but uh, one contrast of Troy versus Albany is Troy decided to add six police officers, which, you know, they had a rally last summer with, they say, you know, 11,000 people, whatever the number was, about, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and defund the police. And the Troy City Council said, hey, listen, you know, our neighborhoods are getting really bad. We really need to get six, there's six zones in the city as far as policing goes. 
and we need to get uh, dedicated officers to each of those zones to deal with the community and, and deal with, you know, pointing out the, uh, the problem areas and the problem houses and stuff like that. And so that's a totally uh, different direction than the city of Albany would ever try to do. And so we'll see if uh, that leads to less crime in the long run and better redevelopment or not. You know, it's, it's hard to say. Albany had 17 homicides last year, and so per capita that would be about 17 per 100,000. The city of Troy had 13, but they're only 50,000. So that's almost double the uh, homicide rate. It's 26 per 100,000. So, but they have a lot less shootings, you know, a lot less shootings, but, but definitely per capita more, more homicides, almost double. And so, uh, you know, is, is it lax policing? Is it poor management? Is it everything? Is it the pandemic? You know, it's, it's a mix of, of everything, I guess. Let me ask you this question. If you, if you became mayor in the city of Albany, what would you do to revitalize it? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. You know, I guess you, you'd have to focus on really getting it, getting uh, employers in there, but you've got to have an educated workforce that, uh, you know, an educated workforce that, that, that wants to show up and wants to work. And maybe that exists, but, you know, urban unemployment is, is through the roof, especially youth unemployment. And so it's really, Cynthia, it's really a cultural issue. If people don't believe they can succeed in America and they don't want to focus on something positive, they're not going to. And if, and if people are going to be subsidized not to work or they think they can make a living some other way or they don't have to have a regular job, then they're not going to have a regular job, you know? And so the problems for the city of Albany, yeah, you can say some of it is, uh, some of it is uh, oh, the not, you know, there's not enough taxable income. You know, there's not enough taxable properties. Well, there's solutions to that. If you don't feel you can finance your, your budget, you can do curb, you know, you know, based on your lineal footage of curb, you can do uh, curb-based fees for services. You could have a public safety fee, you know, if you're shorthanded on money. The problem is, the bigger structural problem is New York State has insanely high property taxes, and uh, that is a big disincentive for anybody to really move or try to exist in New York state. You know, I've been to places where uh, big conferences where you'll see an economic development person from Virginia or from anywhere down South and they just laugh at New York. And so what you have is this, you know, you have this high end sort of uh, corporate fascist focus of uh, subsidizing, you know, insiders or foreign companies even, right. They subsidize foreign companies, to come in and uh, employ people and uh, give the tax breaks that everybody else gets, but not the middle class and not homeowners. You think about this. Kathy Sheen's got $85 million coming in from this COVID relief. This, the, the city really only lost about $15 million in revenue based on the pandemic. So they're flush with cash. Why isn't that money going to be, do the most democratic thing? And that would be property tax relief for the regular homeowners, at least a big chunk of it. Why wouldn't they do that? You know, instead they want to make a garden in the sky while they have skyrocketing uh, numbers of, of shots fired incidents over 280 last year. Just one fire, 280. Every day somebody's shooting somewhere in the city of uh, Albany and 131 people hit, you know. So wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a notion of priorities, really. So, Kevin, that time is up, so give yourself a little plug. 
I'm on uh, Talk 1300 AM and 98.7 FM, 3 to 6. The name of the show is Road Rage, and we're also uh, streamed live at uh, Talk1300.com. Thanks, Kevin. We'll talk soon. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.